This morning, uh, we're going we're gonna to cover um, two different feasts of the Old Testament. Uh, and it, if you've never read the Old Testament, I want to encourage you, you're gonna, what you're going to see uh, is Jesus in the Old Testament. And I'm going to teach it in such a way that if you never read this text, it'll make a lot of sense for you. That is my desire and that is my goal. I do want you to know that in the scripture today, it's going to dig in your heart. It's going to get in your business and it's going to feel a little uncomfortable. At any point in time, while I'm preaching the Bible to you, if you feel uncomfortable um, because the Bible's making you uncomfortable, I want you to know that that's God's graceful conviction in your life. I want you to know that God is so graceful that he is going to stir something in you to show you something that's in you that you want, he wants you to correct. He does it to me all the time. Um, it's bittersweet because at one end, when God convicts me, there's a bit of shame that comes with that conviction. But at the same time, he is so kind to want to expose that out of me so that it won't continue hurting me and those around me. So when you feel that, here's what I want you to think about. When you feel that uncomfortable wrestle, if it comes from the Bible, I want you to know that that's God's graceful invitation to fellowship with him. All right? Y'all ready to get in the word? Leviticus chapter 23. Get your word out. As we go over these feasts, it's going to point to Jesus and dissect our hearts. Um, the three feasts that we have left are going to be the Passover feast, which we'll do next Sunday on Easter. It's going to be the unleavened bread feast, and it's going to be the feast of first fruits. These three feasts happened within eight days. Right after the Passover that we'll see next week, uh, it goes straight into the feast of the unleavened Bread, And I want you to take a look at chapter 23 of Leviticus, verse 6. This is right after the Passover feast. And on the 15th day of the same month is the feast of unleavened bread to the Lord. For seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall have a holy convocation. You shall not do any ordinary work, but you, you shall present a food offering to the Lord for seven days. On the seventh day is a holy convocation. You shall not do any ordinary work. How many times between verse six and verse eight does he mention, do not do any work? For seven days, here's what God was trying to do. God was trying to have them to be still enough to remember, but also see what was in their hearts that they had to take care of. So the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, it was twofold. Um, you know what a loaf of bread looks like. This is what a loaf of bread looks like. It has yeast, it has leaven in it. The leaven causes it to rise. All it takes is a little bit of leaven for the whole thing to rise like this. This is what they would typically eat. Now, during this time, when God was telling them to eat only unleavened bread, it was a meaning for two things. Uh, it was a time to remember that when God called them out of bondage, when God delivered them, they were, they were persecuted, they were overwhelmed, they were hopeless, and God was coming through. And during this time, when God brought them out of the bondage under Egypt, Here's what was happening. Pretend in the middle of the night, um, you got a phone call. It's time to get up and leave and you don't have time to pack. So you grab whatever you can grab. This is what happened with the Israelites. God says, it's time, get your stuff, we're going. 
Well, unfortunately, while they were making bread, it wasn't like this. So the bread wasn't ready, but they had to run. So what ended up happening is they took bread with them that looked more like this. This is called a matzah. This is unleavened bread. When there is no yeast or leaven in the bread, this is a slice of bread. When there is yeast and leaven, it looks like this. It rises. So when they ran out from persecution and bondage and slavery and were broken free, this is what they were eating. This reminded them of freedom. So for seven days, here's what they had to do. Eat this. And every time you eat it, remember where God has brought you from. He just wanted to put them in a position to remember. It was so great for me. Um, I was in Tampa and I went to the beach by myself and I sat in the back and I brought my journal and I looked at the ocean and nobody was there. And I just thought, you are so big, God. And here's what I did. I'm a visual guy. I got like the sand. I looked at the sand. I looked at the ocean. And I was like, the sand represents all of my problems. And and there's just so much stuff. But the ocean represents his power. That he is creator. And I just sat there and I just had to remember like you are so good, God. But it took me stopping from everything that I'm doing to remember. You are so good, God. Yesterday... I was walking through a parking lot, um, a long parking lot, and this is going to sound silly to you, but it was a remembering moment. I looked down in the parking lot as I was walking, because it was about, I don't know, 200 yards maybe that I had to walk, and it's in the city of Phoenix, and I'm looking down, and as I looked at the concrete, I saw trash, I saw gum, I saw all kinds of stuff on the floor, beer cans, and, and God took me back, this was yesterday, God took me back when I was a kid in inner city Houston, I used to walk the streets everywhere. I used to run from getting jumped by people. I used to get in fights because I would get jumped. I I would run from dogs. I would run from all kinds of stuff. But I remember as a young kid who would walk the streets of inner city Houston, and, and I remember when I looked at the floor yesterday, I thought, I remember this look. I remember this. I remember as a kid seeing gum, seeing beer cans. I remember running from people. I remember, and in that moment, God used, as crazy as this is, he used the parking lot concrete to remind me of his provision and protection over my life. Crazy, crazy. But it's not just for me, it's for you too. It's for you too that you pause long enough to be like, you know what? I don't have everything that I want. Life isn't perfect for me. But my goodness, I'm going to pause long enough to remember you're such a good God. And the ocean is so big and you are so powerful. You are a good God. Because the truth is, if you're only left looking at the sand in your life and the problems, they begin to seem huge. And it seems like it's never going to end. But if you pick your head up and look at the ocean, you remember who's in charge. And so that's all I did is I picked my head up and looked at the ocean and remembered, remembered. I remembered when I used to eat fried bologna on the pan with a tortilla and put it in a, some of you young bucks don't know what I'm talking about, but fried bologna was the bomb. Yeah. It was like a T-bone to me. I remember to stop. And, and by the way, I still eat it. Take me out of Houston, but you can't take the Houston out of me. So, so remember. So for seven days, they just, gosh, God, you were so good. 
God, we remember when we had nothing to eat and you gave us manna. Gosh, you're awesome. We remember when we came across the Red Sea and you parted. We remember they just remembered and they ate. But this was also symbolic for something else. Yeast was also symbolic for sin. And, and, and what they would do, this was interesting, they would have time and before the eight days hit, here's what would happen. Um, the father would go all amongst the house and look for the crumbs of the loaf of bread. If there were crumbs anywhere in the house, they would have to clean it out before the Passover, before the feast, before all of this. Because what the yeast and leaven represented was sin. Why sin? Well, let's think about this. If this represents no leaven, it is bread in its purest form. If a little bit of leaven puffs up and rises something, then this is what the bread will look like. So let me give you an easy analogy. When Adam and Eve were created, they were in its purest form. When sin entered, leaven puffed the soul. Now humanity is filled with leaven. There is a sinful problem. If you do not believe me, let me use scripture to back up my point. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, this is exactly what Paul is saying. I want you to listen to this. I read it to you. Your boasting is not good. In other words, what he was talking to them about was they looked like this. Their spiritual life looked like this and they thought they were so elite. They thought they were, they were so proud. And he was saying, your boasting is not good. And here's what he says. Do you not know that a little bit of leaven leavens the whole lump? What he is translating this is saying, a little bit of leaven can do this to a loaf. He's saying a little bit of leaven can do this to your spiritual life. So although you may have sinned just a little bit or a lot of bit, there's an issue here. There is leaven in the bread. Then he says this, cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you really are unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the festival. What festival? Celebrate the festival, not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil. Meaning, believer, take that out of your life. Get that extracted out of your soul. If you have issues, if there's sin there, get it out and confess it. You are responsible for your sin. Let me pause right there. You are responsible for your sin. Here's what I have recognized, which is so true. Um, let me read the rest of this text. Um, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Uh, let, let, let me share this. Um, some of us will have relational issues, will have sinful issues. Uh, let me just, for seven days, they had to stop pointing the finger at everybody else for their own issues. For seven, I don't know about you, but there, what I like to practice is I sit before God often, and if I have issues going on in my life, I ask myself, am I the problem? Expose what's in me, in my marriage, is it me? Because it's easier to point the finger. It's easier to say it's them and never take ownership for your own stuff and your own junk and your own leaven. But you are responsible for your own leaven and bringing that leaven to God. For seven days, can you imagine? I don't know when's the last time you've sat before God. I'm gonna urge you to practice this. It'll make your life better. Sit before God and say, will you expose what's in my heart? Is it me, God? 
because this seems to be reoccurring everywhere I go. Is it me? That's the thing about a little leaven is it will impact every area of your life. Think about someone you don't like. You talk about them everywhere you go, don't you? You've brought them into every area of your life. It consumes your life. Think about the sin you're dealing with that you haven't confessed and dealt with that leaven. It impacts every area of your life, doesn't it? This is what he's talking about. For seven days, remember God's provision and protection, but also take care of the sin. Here's what will happen. Listen to this. Uh, The father would bring his kids together in the house and they'd want to get every crumb out of the house. Every single crumb out of the house. They would get a feather and a wooden spoon and walk around with the candle. The idea was that the kids would get the candle and they would light up where the crumbs were, exposing the leaven. So the light into darkness exposes the leaven. Keep that in mind. Light, darkness exposes the leaven. Where the leaven was exposed, the father would come with the wooden spoon and a feather and put it on the wooden spoon and burn it in the morning. The light exposed the leaven. Let's take this back to Genesis for just a minute. Adam and Eve, when they sinned, when leaven impacted their life, they hid. When they were hiding, what exposed the leaven of their life? God, light. The candle exposing the leaven. That's a lot of information, I know. But there is a symbolic theme here of the light exposing darkness. For seven days, they asked God and they remembered and they try to get rid of all of the sin and confessing in their life. Let's get rid of it. Let's get it out of our lives. In fact, listen to how serious this was. If they did not get rid of the sin and the hidden sin in their life um, that translate to the leaven, listen to how serious this was in Exodus chapter 12. For seven days, no leaven is to be found in your houses. If anyone eats what is leaven, that person will be cut off from the congregation of Israel. God was so, um, he, he, he was, he was so focused on getting this out of their lives so that they can remember and recognize what this was that he even told them, you will be cut off. This is how serious this is. So this was the feast of the unleavened bread. From the feast of the unleavened bread, uh, they move into the feast of the first fruits. Okay, so number one, the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, my challenge to you as a church, sit before God, stop pointing the finger and ask him what's in you that needs to be exposed and healed. It'll impact every, I promise you, I have done it, I constantly do it, it will impact every area of your life. You are only responsible for you, you are not responsible for everybody else's action. You're responsible for you, get before God, confess sin, have your hands clean, and live a free life. That's what you're responsible for. That's my challenge to you. Now, moving into the Feast of the First Fruit. Here's what it says. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel, and say to them, When you come into the land that I, will, that I give you and reap its harvest, you shall bring the sheaf of the first fruits. I'm going to bring up this text here. Um, and on the 15th day, this is the unleavened bread. Let's go to the next one. And, on the Lord, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the people of Israel and say to them, when you come into the land that I give you, this was the promised land. God was saying they would have a promised land. He would bring them out of bondage and they would have a promised land. They would be free. So I want you to listen to this. You're going to hear God's heart in this. When you come into the land that I give you, God keeps his promise and reap its harvest. There are blessings in obedience. Just think about that. There's blessings in obedience, 
You shall bring the sheaf of the first fruits. This word first fruits in the Hebrew just means um, the, the best of something. So we would typically think of um, whatever it may be, sometimes finances that we give God our first fruits. But he is saying, you shall bring the sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. And he shall wave the sheaf before the Lord so that you may be accepted. On the day after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. So I want you to listen to what's going on. This may not make any sense to you, but listen to what's going on. Uh, During this season, there is the Feast of the Unleavened Bread. This happened within eight days. Then there is the Feast of the First Fruits. The Feast of the First Fruits was simply this. The farmers would would go out and they'd recognize um, as the grain was being prepared, typically the first thing um, that was going to uh, be produced was going to be the barley. Uh, This is similar to barley. It is not barley. Uh, This is just some um, plant I got from Target yesterday, but it's called dog tail. (laughs) But for imagery's sake, this is kind of what they did. But listen to this. And as I'm explaining this, I want you to see where Jesus is in this. The farmer would go out to the field. This was the first thing that was produced. This was the best thing. It produced grain and food for them. He would, three days before, he would go find it. He would place a red ribbon around it. On the third day, on the third day, he would go out there. This was his best, and he would bring it to the high priest on the third day. This was his first fruit. This meant when the farmer did this, is he would take a look at the entire farm, and he would recognize, God, if it wasn't for you, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't have this. If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't have the mind and the wisdom to do this. If it wasn't for you, rain wouldn't come down. If it wasn't for you, the sun wouldn't shine. If it wasn't for you, the moon giving light to the crops wouldn't happen. If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be able to eat. If it wasn't for you, so he gratefully, with heart of gratitude, he would bring the first fruit and he'd bring it and it was out of a healthy fear because here was the thing, if he did not do that, the rest of the crops were seen as not being blessed or accepted by God. So he recognized that if he gave his first fruit to the high priest, the high priest would grab the first fruit, the grain, and here's what he would do. Only the high priest can do it. And nobody else could touch it. Think about this. Nobody can touch this until it's presented to God. The high priest would go before God and he would do this. It is all yours. We are so grateful. This is the best we have to give you. We're not holding back. We don't know what you're going to do with the rest. We don't know if there will be more fruit or more harvest. But we know we have this and we're giving it to you no matter what you do. We are so unbelievably grateful. And once the high priest said it is accepted, then the rest of the crop and harvest was blessed. Then they would eat. They would not touch the harvest until this, the first fruits were given. Here's what blows my mind today, and this is not a shameful statement, so don't feel shameful by this. I told you I was going to dig into your heart. What blows my mind today is, uh, I read a stat, there are about 247 million Christians today. Only just over 1. million give God their first fruits. Blows my mind. If we believe that it's all God's. If we believe that God is the reason, if we believe, here's what I believe. If I believe 
that God is responsible for everything he's been doing in my life, if I believe he is, it is all his, I am fearful not to be faithful. I am fearful not to be faithful. The unbelievable thing today in Christianity is we want Christ without sacrifice. We want Christ without sacrifice. We wonder why we are not hearing him. We wonder why we're not growing. We wonder why we can't see him. We wonder why we don't have depth. Depth is not found in knowledge. Depth is found in obedience. We think knowledge gives us more depth. No, obedience gives us more depth. You want to know Christ intimately? Confess your sin. You know the thing we're hiding today? You want to know him intimately? Confess that thing that's been weighing you down. Why do you confess it? Because you will meet this graceful, intimate, forgiving Christ in a way that you've never met him before. That changes you. So the leavened bread, absolutely. Whatever junk you have, I've done it. I encourage you to do it. Bring it to him and meet an unbelievable father. First fruits, absolutely. Same thing. Like, I've recognized this in my personal life. Like tithing 10% is the least my family and I do. I recognize that God can do more with the 90% that I keep. Uh, uh, he can do more with my 90% than I can do with my 100. This feels uncomfortable, doesn't it? God's gracefully inviting you to test him. He's gracefully inviting you to walk with him. It is all his. And let me just be very clear. Um, this, this is why we teach the scripture. Because if you're uncomfortable, you have to be uncomfortable with what the word says. It's not about me and you. It's about you and the scripture. And so I'm responsible for teaching. I've served it and you can do what you want with it. But here's what happened. They would bring it to God. And they'd say, God, we're so grateful. You're amazing and you've done so many things. How dare me think that I did. Without you, I wouldn't have this job. Without you, I wouldn't have had this raise. Without you, I wouldn't be able to be in school. Without you, I wouldn't have anything. Thank you. Don't you think there was some fear? Don't you think there was a wrestle in their life thinking, if I give him my first fruits, I got a family to feed. What am I going to do with my family? If I give him my first fruits, what if I don't get more? Absolutely there was. But he still came, they still came and just said, here it is. You are God and we're going to place faith in you. And we're going to trust you the best that we can. And we're going to let you do whatever you do. And they left it at that. And they lived a life of faith. Now, if we're taking a look at this, we must ask ourselves, where is Jesus in all of this? I'm glad you asked. When you take a look at the unleavened bread, Jesus, when talking about sin, Jesus was seen as the unleavened bread, sinless, without yeast, without leaven. Humanity was seen as the loaf, imperfections, sin. A little bit of leaven has put it all in the entire loaf. When you see him in the feast of the unleavened bread, now, I want to point to Jesus in the feast of the first fruit. In order to point to Jesus in the feast of the first fruit, first fruit, that's a tongue twister, I want you to listen to this and what the Bible says about it. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. 
For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall be made alive, but each in his own order. Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. What was the picture of the harvest of the firstfruits? This is going to blow your mind. Jesus was crucified during the Feast of the Unleavened Bread. When did Jesus resurrect? On the Feast of the Firstfruit. So while the priest was saying this, God, this is our best. God, we didn't withhold anything from you. God, here you are. This is our first fruit. God resurrected his son and said, this is my first fruit who would take care of you and all of your sin. Why was this important? Remember I said, just as the high priest had to wave his best to God, it blessed the rest of the harvest. When God waved his best, it blessed all of us, the rest of the harvest. So because God gave us his best and his son of the first fruit, that means that Jesus being the first risen crop that we can have confidence that we too will rise again with the Father when Jesus comes back. But it's only true for you if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. Check this out. Remember, I also told you that nobody can touch it, otherwise it would be tainted until it was waved before God. Jesus in John chapter 20, after he resurrected, when he resurrected, Mary saw him. Mary wanted to touch him. He said, do not touch me. I have not assented to the Father. He was the first fruit who would be presented to the Father. These correlations of Jesus in the Old Testament is everywhere and it's pretty powerful. Here's my encouragement. The band is gonna come up and we're gonna take the Lord's Supper together. I want to challenge you today. I don't know what God was stirring in your heart. I don't know if there is hidden sin and, and, and sometimes arrogance makes us think that we're okay. We're the exception to the rule of sin. Nobody in here is the exception to the rule of sin. Nobody. So my challenge for you before we take the Lord's Supper together is when you think about the people, when you think about the sin, and when you bring that to God, you are only responsible for you when you confess what's in your heart and bring it to God. When you think about first fruits, I don't, I don't know what that means for you. For some of you, 100%, God's been stirring. He's been saying, you, you, it's biblical, you need to give, to give to the church, you need to tithe. Maybe not. For some of you, it may be something like, hey, look, you have such control on your life and everything and your work. Why don't you give it to me? Why don't you trust me with it? Why don't you recognize I'm in it? I don't know what he's saying to you today. But I want to urge you, it's going to be confession and sacrifice. If that's how you want to look at this today, it's going to be confession and sacrifice. Sacrifice hurts, but you can't have Christ without sacrifice. And it hurts. But there is spiritual growth that happens in that moment. I don't know what it is for you. But I'm going to ask God to work in our hearts. I'm going to pray. I'm going to walk off. They're going to sing. I'm going to come back up here and I will lead us. I will lead us in the Lord's Supper together. Father, will you just do a work in our hearts? Will you do a work, God? We, I, don't, I don't know who's come in here with stuff and with sin and with frustrations. And, uh, but God, gosh, just like the seven days of the unleavened bread, we have to look at our lives and we have to begin to extract the things that are keeping us 
from being intimate with you and our brothers and sisters in Christ. We can point fingers all day long, God, but it doesn't get into our hearts because the truth is no matter how other people act, we should be yearning to respond like you. Please help us in that area. We're desperate. If there's anyone in here dealing with sin that's been hidden, would you allow them to bring it out to the light? I know they're way down and they're running and they're exhausted and they're, they're waiting to be found out and they don't know when they're going to be found out. Would you just, number one, not to go on social media and blast their junk, but you, would you allow them to come to you? That's what matters, to you first. To you first before they go to others. Others come to you and confess. And then God, whatever we're holding on to, for me, I think about my children for my first fruits that I don't trust you with my children, God. I don't trust where you're, where you're taking them. I don't trust that you'll protect them. And it's exhausting. I got to trust you with everything, even when I don't like it. So help me, God. Help us.